What's up, Pivot Project? I'm with Sal Manley today, and who's a serial entrepreneur in uh, in the hospitality business. And we're just going to peel that a little bit uh, today because I think it's going to be a fascinating story of sort of looking back how he got into it and how every step has been sort of a, a different direction that's kind of expanded that uh, over time. So, Sal, maybe just for those that uh, don't know you, sort of Cole's notes, who's Sal? Who's Sal? I am, uh, should I be talking about my age? <laughs> <laughs> Won't go there. <laughs> um, I, uh, I, run, um, I run two restaurants. Um, I run uh, Aretta. Um, which is where we're at. King Street West, 633, and I run uh, Capocaccia, which is at Young and St. Clair. I've uh, been in the hospitality business for 25 years. Uh, started with a little bakery up in Woodbridge in 2001. Oh, wow. 2001, yeah. Okay. And I uh, had that for five years, uh, moved to the city, and uh, began, uh, opened up, uh, tried to open up the same sort of bakery what worked what worked and uh, I quickly realized that uh, it wouldn't work after five years of uh, it's amazing it took me uh, seven months to put this bakery bakery together and three or four days after I realized I made the biggest mistake what that, caused that this is interesting what caused well, you that know, realization in, in, so in, in, in Woodbridge um, in the Italian culture it's very common you you come in it's a bar scene you can have a sandwich, or uh, and you stand at the bar and you chat. Whereas uh, in the city, uh, I wasn't dealing with just Italians, and yeah. they were sitting down at tables. Yeah. And so I had to run out and ask them what they wanted, mm. and come back. So uh, mm. that was uh, a little bit of a learning curve. Um, and then people were, you know, asking for alcohol right away, and I didn't have my license for that. So um, I realized that I think this would work if I sort of set up a bakery. I set up a restaurant, and I had table service. So it just evolved from table service to pizzas. and So it was really that trial and error. It wasn't necessarily sticking to the game plan, but just being able to adapt to whatever the data was. Absolutely. I mean, same thing here, right? It's like what I thought we were going to be when we opened up is six months later is totally different. Right? And you're catering to a different clientele. So it's, it's constant like changing. So no matter how good your plan is, you're going to have to pivot. Absolutely. So what was the plan for this one initially? What would, how did it, in 18 months, how did it change? So. Uh, I mean, the grand scheme of the plan didn't really change, it just in terms of the offerings, mm. some of the stuff that we were doing, um, knowing when our slower times were and what we were going to do to get more people in the door. You know, Capocaccia and Oretta are two different restaurants. Mm. One's a 70-seater, 90 seats in the summertime, and Oretta's about a 300-seater. Got it. Right? And so the only way this restaurant works is volume. Right. Right? So. You know, um, at Capocaccia we can uh, we, have, we have more time with the guest. Not that we don't we don't give them time here, but there's more time with the guest. Mm. Whereas here we, we really need the volume. We need to have them for an hour and a half, two hours, and then out and get someone else in there. Which is really interesting because we were talking about this, and I was saying the first time I came in here, I felt it too. The hospitality industry is really about hospitality. So even from a volume, there still has to be this authentic experience that makes oh, people sure. come back. For sure. How do you do that with volume? Because you do it here. Yeah, I mean, it's a good question. Uh, we I have a, a management team here of about five people, and uh, that's one of our mantras: is you know, we always we always look at other restaurants and see where we fit in, mm. and uh, you know, our competitive advantage is our genuine hospitality. Mm. You know, there's so many on King West, there's so many you know restaurants and yeah. you know so many options. So I think we had to give them this this sort of uh, genuine hospitality experience. 
So how do you keep that culture intact that, that ex- for it to be an experience? It's, it's, it's something that you uh, grind day in, day out. It's constant uh, you know, managers' meetings, it's um, emails, it's uh, reinforcing it with, with your management team that they can reinforce it with your servers. Mm. Um, you know, even our, even our, uh, our chefs, right? It's, it's important that they understand when uh, people want to change certain items, right? That we have to go that extra mile for them. Because mm. guess what? If we're not, someone else is going to go somewhere else. Absolutely, absolutely. So, so how deep do you ha- have to go to, to be able to manage all these variables, or do you just have the structures and the management team so that you, you know? Have I, trust? I, I wish I wish there was. Uh, I wish I could say that I'm I'm very hands-on still. Uh, I think Doretta especially is in growth mode right now, um, so I try to be really hands-on. Um, you know, I try to you know I, I want to. One thing I wanted to create, I want to create this culture where people love coming to work, right? Mm. And I think when people love coming to work, it shows in their genuine approach to the table. And, Which is uh, hard in the hospitality. So, so one of the things I said I was telling you earlier is that being genuine is, is, is really important for us. But even building that culture, yeah. I want to be like the best place that people want to work. Like I want to, you know, yeah. you, when people say, oh, right away, I want to work there, right? And, and that in turn, I think when you have so many people that want to be here, it's an yeah, environment yeah, yeah. that's fun. It's, it's, uh, it, it's, it, it just feels good. Starts right. at the at the people, the right. individual, because they are the face. They're the ones creating the biggest headache? experience, biggest reward, if done right. Yeah, absolutely. I get that. So let's go back a little bit on on your journey through this, because I think this was interesting for those people watching this. I think the what they'll resonate with is the fact that a lot of this was, you know, hindsight being twenty twenty, was spontaneous and just being at the right time or in the right place at the right time and. It wasn't necessarily the master plan of you being in the hospitality industry in the way it is now, but it was through discovering things about you or discovering through these experiences. You mentioned something before we started interviewing, talking about sort of, you know, for you it was easier maybe because you had this blueprint from your parents. They were hardworking. They were entrepreneurs. Even though it wasn't in the hospitality industry to start, they had that already ingrained. So you had sort of a model to follow so I you know it's funny you see this because I remember on Saturdays my parents were hairdressers and on Saturdays they both worked and they'd come home and they'd be so tired yeah uh, and Sundays would be a day that we would all sit sit around a table have lunch and we'd all talk about uh, the week yeah and uh, and so my parents would always talk about what was happening at work and it was something that sort of uh, we were able to really uh, understand what they were going through um, and and I think you know because you grew up with it. I grew up with it and, and it's also about persevering right mm. and, and there's certain times when, you know, I know that business wasn't the greatest, right? And they would come home and, and you could tell that, you know, they were tired. They're still tired. Back, right? But, uh, yeah. but they persevered and they made, yeah. a, you know, a, a successful business of it. And I think um, always growing up, I said to myself, I'm going to do my own thing with my parents. I'm going to create my own hours mm-hmm. uh, and create, you know, the thing about uh, business and it's, it's, I don't think it's only about money, but it's a sense of accomplishment. Yeah. And a yeah. sense that you could do it, right? I get and, that. And I think as I get older in life, um, it resonates more with me right now. Whereas before, I was doing it more like, you know, what can I do and how much money can I make from it? Whereas I think if, if you have passion, the money comes as it is. Mm. The focus isn't that, it's focus, a byproduct. Right. Exactly. I get that. Exactly. And I hear that I, I, almost like a pattern with most successful people. They do it because they really get lit up by it. Right. That's why they get up every day. So for you, how did you find that passion though? Was it like the second you started working in the bakery, you, you felt that this was it, or did that evolve? When did you figure that out? Yeah, I think it evolved. You know, I, I um, you know, our, our bakery in, in Woodbridge was um, was almost by chance. Uh, we ran into a deal that uh, 
you know, um, it was too good to pass up. And, uh, you know, my father said, oh, we should try it on and pick it on and see what happens. And uh, I really started finding my groove then. Um, it was How hard. old were you then? You were so still in school. I was still in school. I was, uh, I was 21 years old. My friends were all going out. And uh, I had to be opening this bakery at like 6 o'clock in the morning. And I'm like, and I just have to weekends too. Like, weekends too. And I was like, what am I doing here? Uh, for the first couple of months, it was, it was tough. Yeah. And um, I was tired to go home and sleep until like 12 o'clock and try to go out and go right to the restaurant, right to the bakery. Uh, but I, you know, but I realized as I was doing it, um, Palazzo, looking back about Palazzo, it, it was, 2001 in Woodbridge, I remember. Right. But I'm looking back, you see to yourself, you know, I, I'm sort of like I remember like, making pizzas. Yeah. And and. And having worked already in a pizzeria, remembering what they would do, so I said, okay, I would do it. And then I started uh, fooling around with different types of pizzas, right? And all of a sudden, it's like, wow, it started feeling really, really good, right? Interesting. So, so, so you were starting to get creative with it. To with get my own group. Exactly, exactly. So I started getting creative with that. Uh, and then from my, my brief experience at all these restaurants that I worked at, I knew how it worked in terms of table numbers and, uh, the and menus and systems and silverware that we use and all stuff like that so that helped as well right so i'm still i still think it was must have been a big shift when you first started the first one on saint Clair, though like that learning curve must have been tremendous yeah it was um you know i, I remember um um i remember starting there and um i had you know, people calling sick and uh food <laughs> critics coming in and i went to the back put my head up i put my head down i'm like can I swear on this? Oh yeah, we can. We're like, on the internet, doesn't matter. What the fuck did I do? I said, honestly, I said, I, I remember I asked my father yeah. uh, for a loan. Yeah. So I had some money myself, I saved up. I asked him for a loan. And, to uh, open this. To open this thing. And I said to myself, holy shit, what the fuck did I do? Like, I, I, I made such a bad decision. And I remember like, I, I don't know. You're doubting I, yourself. I was done. I said, you know, maybe I can try to sell it. Or maybe, I, I remember even getting a number of a real estate agent, a real estate agent that specializes in in, uh, in restaurants, right? So I'm going to sell this thing because I don't know what the hell I got myself into. So that doubt is so, so huge for so many entrepreneurs and they don't realize maybe how close they are to that next level because it's it's just a roller coaster Absolutely. nonstop. Absolutely. So when, when, when did you have that aha moment that you didn't have to sell it? So probably, um, probably about uh, two months in. Okay. Uh, you know, I've been very lucky because I, with my father's help with some money, uh, I was able to uh, I was able to pay him back uh, in about a year and a half. I had uh, two, sis that's two sisters, right? I had two sisters um, that uh, you know um, needed a part-time job, and it was always nice bringing some family in for mix. Uh, so they really helped me. They're less going. likely to call in sick. <laughs> you know, exactly, <laughs> exactly. Um, and then you know, I, you know, I, was, I, I found a great chef. Uh, I guess I was lucky to find a great chef. Uh, or maybe I mean he's still with me to, the, to this day. Oh really? Yeah. So uh, here? Well, he works at Capel a little okay. bit. Okay. Capel Kacha. and um, so it, it was uh, probably two months later when you start saying wow, and you start getting people to the door. I was very hands-on. I mean, I remember when people used to come in, we'd sit down at a table, and I would I knew what they liked, right? So I had had that Pinot Grigio at the table for them. I would you know bring out um, you know. Um, you know, we had a lady in the back that was making apple strudel, and I would bring up the apple strudel. I'm like, wow. this is what she made right now, right? Wow. I knew everybody by name. I shook everybody's hand. I, uh, you know, kissed babies, and uh, it was just like it was. It was you my created thing. the yeah. environment first, right? You led the you led right. the way, and I think that's a, an interesting pattern that I see that a lot of business owners before they can scale, they actually have to do. They have to go through the steps to understand what it takes to actually build that culture to build. You can't 
you can't delegate that to management until you actually figure it out first. Yeah, for sure. So fast forward to where we are today, multiple restaurants, clearly successful and, and growing. What, what, what are you attributing as sort of your biggest learnings as you pivoted through this? What, because you obviously had these doubts, you obviously had these moments of time, chance. We went from the bakery into, I want to build a bakery in four days, I'm turning into a restaurant. What is actually now sort of, what do you attribute like, wow, the biggest thing that I, from where I was till now, the biggest thing is this? So, um, so at Capocaccia, I, uh, I really focused on uh, the restaurant was more about me. And uh, I realized... What do you mean quickly, by that? Well, it was about me. Like, everyone knew my name. So, uh, everyone knew Sal's restaurant. Uh, and, I gotcha. Uh, and so, I, I sort of built it on, on myself, right? And then... What uh, worked for you before. Exactly. And, but then I realized that I could not be at all these locations anymore. Or these two locations. And mm. I thought to myself, I got to build it on, 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 on the brand. I'm gonna build it on on the um, execution of the dishes, mm. you know, and, um, and I think that was my biggest learning curve. Mm. I mean, when I opened up here, I didn't have the least bit anxiety as I did when I opened up Capocaccia because I knew whether it took me two months or three months, I knew I was in the right right direction. Uh, but I also made made sure that it wasn't Sal that was bringing pizzas over; it was the brand. It was using, you know, the best quality uh, flour for your pizzas. It was using the San Marzano tomatoes for your uh, pizza sauce, right? So I made sure that you know I hired the proper people, and uh, and I'm giving um, a, a a genuine experience without having Sal uh, there. So, so, I, so I've, tightened, I've tightened the brand up, right? I, I'm more laser focused on on who we are. Back to your initial point of really focusing on the people to create the culture, because that's the hardest thing for any business to scale. But I mean, there's so many businesses where they're their strength is their weakness. The guy who's leading it is the brand, but there's only 24 hours in the day. Well, you know, and, and precisely, I mean, I, I'm a father now with three kids, right? And, uh, you know, I, I want to spend time with my kids. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, I also, you know, want to open more restaurants. Yeah, yeah. Um, so, I mean, you know, you, you uh, again, it's, uh, I've been very um, focused on, uh, aside from the brand, uh, but it is, it is the people that work for that brand and understanding that brand, right? Totally. I mean, our chefs, I, I actually handpick chefs from Italy right now, and I bring them in, and I pay for their visa and everything to get them here because that's the only way we're going to be hyper-focused on this brand, right? Mm. So I think, I mean, the most thing is, aside from just the tightening of the brand, it's the people that I've uh, that have got into the mix here. Mm. Mm. Does that answer that question? Yeah, I think yeah. so. I, I think the context is, there's many dimensions to this that you could kind of right. cut it in different directions, but it's clear, I think, from what I'm hearing from you, it's... For you to be obsessive about the brand, it replaces the need for you to be the brand. Right. I just feel like whether whatever type of business you're in, uh, it's all about details. Mm. Right. And um, what do you say to people that say most things don't matter, though? Then I think they shouldn't be uh, an entrepreneur. I don't think they should be in the business. Then if things don't matter, right? Like honestly, I think every little thing matters in here, right? Mm. You know, part of part of putting this restaurant together is giving everyone a different experience, right? Whether you come into the cafe, whether you're upstairs, whether you're in the back room, right? I wanted to give people a different experience from your cutlery to your plates, like everything. Like people don't realize how much goes in, uh, how much is involved in thought on the tumbler that we're going to use, or the type of water we're going to use, right? Or the fact that we only have Italian wines here on the menu, right? So all these Italian restaurant, right? Yes. But you know what people would say to you? Well, you can have some California. People ask yeah. for it, right? Yeah. I get slack all the time. People say to me, 
oh, come on, you can have California wines. My server said that to me sometimes, right? I'm like, who are we here? Right? At that point, you know, at that point, I had a, I had a chef for me once that he came into the kitchen and he said, I came, I came in in the afternoon at Couple Cacho, there's a couple months after we ordered, and we, we opened and he had chicken quesadillas on the menu. <laughs> chicken quesadillas on the menu? I said, guys, like, like, you know, there's certain things in, in the Italian culture, you don't put chicken on a pizza, right? You just don't do that stuff, right? So, you know, if you're trying to give them that, that authentic mm. experience, you've got to be laser focused. And you're not, you're not, you're not going to make everybody happy. Even the other way around, giving these California wines and putting chicken on pizzas and pastas, you're still not going to make everybody happy. Yeah. N- know your know your audience, know your right. market, and, and then be obsessive to, to give them value I, right. every day. I get that. So I guess just to take it back to the people who are watching this, we, I think from an industry perspective, this is going to resonate with a whole different subset of people. But if someone is sitting, whether they're in the hospitality industry or not, if they're sitting here and they're maybe sitting on the fence and they're just, you know, kind of what we were talking about, we are sold out as a society to following systems to have certainty in life. And school has been teaching them to go to school, get good grades, get a job. For those people that don't feel fulfilled in that, which statistically is actually the majority, not everyone should be entrepreneurs, I think. You could probably relate to, to that. I think, you know, entrepreneurism has become sort of a, a buzzword and it's positive, but I mean, it's hard most of the days. It's lonely. It's stressful. It's. I'm sure you have just you, as you, many. You days. hit the nail on the head. It is stressful and it's lonely being at the top. You need you need to surround yourself with good people. One of the things I do with my management staff here is, I always talk about this every weekly meeting. I said, like, they, to some degree, I want them to be entrepreneurial, right? Mm. Like, show me what we can do this week. Tell me what you think of, of a certain campaign, right? Mm. But give me ideas, right? You, you know, create the space for right. that. If the chef says the same thing, right? like you can't have one guy can't it's lonely by yourself, right? Like like give them some ideas, get some people excited about creating some ideas, right? And what, what have you seen that has worked well? Like how do you if someone hasn't had that experience of taking ownership and being created, do you just replace them or is there a way to coach that into them? So I, I think we spoke about this before. Um, attitude, um, you can't train. Right? So if someone has that attitude, mm. um, then we would, you know, I, I would anyways uh, would would far better have someone that is is trainable and sort of mm. has that good attitude and wants to be there mm. than opposed to someone that maybe just doesn't have that mm. that attitude. I like that. So it's not the experience, it's the fit. Correct. It's it's uh, it's being able to train attitude. Mm. 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 Okay. Okay. So if someone is one of those people that are sitting there and watching this, and they they're just they don't know what's next for them. Looking back at the last, you know, since 2001 and even before when you, when you were being a student having odd jobs, what would you say could be a pattern that if they don't have entrepreneurial parents that showed them what work ethic and just grinding through it could be, what, what could they use as a, as a benchmark where that could help them that from your life that was authentic for you besides your parents? What, what was it that they could leverage as a guidepost? Because they don't know where they're going to end up, I think is the point. Right. So I think um, I think as a, as as uh, you know a young person going to school, I think it was really important to work in a lot of different industries mm. and start feeling comfortable with uh, with what you like more than other things, right? I gravitated towards the uh, restaurant business because you know my parents are Italian and we used to sit down and we used to go to restaurants a lot, and so um, but I think 
you know, working at these places taught me like uh, the um, or, or gave me the insight to say, hey, you know, I can do this. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, but I think you got to have a passion for it. Yeah. And because uh, I could be in the restaurant business and say, I don't even want to do this anyways, mm. right? Mm. I don't know if that answers your question. Yeah, so I, mean, I mean, so get as many experiences as possible because yeah, you'll know experience. is what I'm hearing. I think so, I think so. You know, or and, at least and, you'll and, have an educated guest to go try more of. I think so. You know, a lot of times, you know, you know, we, we get comfortable in terms of how much we make and where we're going with everything. And I, I feel like, uh, you know, before, uh, after our bakery, there was like a year transition before I opened Kapakacha. And I thought to myself, like, I, I can, you know, make a really good salary as a, uh, as a manager or a GM. And uh, do I need the stress in my life? Like, yeah, do I yes. want to do this? Yeah, yeah. And uh, and I, I, I thought about it a few times. Um, and, and that's really interesting yeah. for me. What what made you decide to go left and not right? Like, you know, I, I think uh, you know, no risk, no reward. Mm. And um, and mm. and you know, I'd be very comfortable. I'd live you know, a, you know, great life and and you know, have really a lot of free time and everything. But um, I, I think again, it wasn't about the money. It was just about mm. the sense of accomplishment. In the sense that uh, that you could do it, right? Mm. So it almost sounds like you felt the most alive, or or, or you know, you hit it. Yeah, I felt motivated. I felt yeah, you know, you know intrinsically, it, correct. I still today. I still today. It's gonna adjust. Hey, buddy. Are you gonna interview? We're gonna interview right now. Oh my goodness! <laughs> <It's> okay. <laughs> it's okay. We're keeping that. We're keeping that. I'll see you in a bit, okay? Um, but you know, I, 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 I'm, so, I'm so excited about this business. Like I go to sleep and I think about it all the time. I wake up, you know, Love it. unfortunately my wife says to me sometimes like, get off your phone or something, right? But I, I, I can't wait to pick up my phone and see how much, like how the sales were like and what the, the service was like. Uh, but I go to sleep and I constantly think, okay, so what if I move something somewhere else and I did something else? Like, I just constantly, like, I eat, breathe and sleep. And I, I love the business. Like, I, I, I wish I wasn't a sucker for it, but I love the business. But you're aware of it. I, I, yeah. I think that nails it. That that's a perfect pattern. You don't know what's what's going to drive you, so you're going to try a bunch of stuff. Then you're going to kind of. It's a funnel. Yeah. Then you, you're going to have you, less. You stuff. know, you, you end up knowing. You don't end up knowing right away. That's why I say it's mm. a little bit of perseverance, right? Mm. You would talk to me 15 years ago at Kapokacha. I was like, I, I made the wrong move, right? But you know, two, three months, four months later, I'm like. I really like this. Mm. Like, I love people coming in and knowing who I am now, mm. right? And then people are coming in and shaking my hand now, mm. right? Mm. So I like this. And I start saying, wow. And and then, you know, uh, it, it starts piggyback into, like, uh, another restaurant, another restaurant. And you like, right. and then you, and you see ideas that you, that worked and you say, okay, this is what I can do here. And especially traveling, right? When you're traveling. I mean, most of the design of this restaurant, I, I got a great designer, but, you know, um, a lot of the stuff is, I saw it abroad. I brought it here, right? That's interesting. Okay. I mean, and we were just talking about that actually. That you know, a lot of the decorations and the vibe. So these floors here, for example, this pattern uh, uh, floors. I, my wife and I were in uh, a store in New York, and I'm like, I, I walked in. I'm like, these are the best floors for uh, for Arena. I brought them back, and the designer sourced them out, and here we go. Love it, love it. And it has a very cool, colorful, still retro feel. So I, yeah, it, it is unique. It is unique, and and I noticed that. The, the restaurant, even the areas in the front, I mean, it, it's a completely different vibe depending on what area. So it's, you're creating sub-environments and sub-experiences even within the same space. Well, that's why I say it's because you can be a, a guest will come in maybe one day and have a coffee in the cafe. 
but one day they'll be out there and, and you know, be the packed in the dining room. And then upstairs we have a presentation kitchen where we have a, a chef cooking up there for you, right? Interesting. And, so, and it was supposed to be like this. So you're giving people so many different experiences in this space. Mm-hmm. So when you come back, you're not getting the same experience. And you have people talking about all the different types of experiences, right? Love it. Love so. it. Love it. Awesome. So uh, it, I, uh, I appreciate your time, Sal. My pleasure. This was, thank you for coming. Thank you. And... Um, for everybody that uh, is interested, we've had the pizza. We can vouch for it. It's incredible. So you should come here and uh, try it for yourself if you're in Toronto. Sounds good. Thanks, Thanks again, Sal. Appreciate it. Okay.